Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. What's up? Oh, thank you. How you doing? I'm good. I just went for a jog. It was a moderately cool spring morning. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, it's going to rain and or hail all week, so I was like, now's the time, baby. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I feel good about it. I had I had like maybe the the single best day I've had in a long time yesterday, which was really oh, good. Wow. So I'm like riding high on that energy. Yeah. Like I saw a bunch of friends. We went for like a long walk in Central Park. We had really good food. Nice. It's really good. And then at the end of the night, I just played a lot of Rune Factory, which is the thing that we're going to talk about today. But uh, what a what a great! It was just like a nice day. It was like beautiful out. Now it's rainy and shitty today, which means I can play more Rune Factory when we're done recording, which is also <laughs> Central great. Park is like one of the few tourist traps that's actually worth the hype. Yeah. There's like there's just <laughs> there's stuff in there that like no one really knows is there. Like there's like a zoo there's like a bunch of stuff. I found a castle yesterday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> An actual castle. Yeah. It's wild. Like I'm, I, I, people know it's there, but you know, if you just wander around only knowing that it's Central Park, you'll be very surprised. Yeah. There's like a secret city yeah. in Central Park. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Also, just I, there's something about the like romanticized version of Manhattan. I think that you get when you're standing in Central Park and you see you all the do, buildings yeah. around you, like over the yeah. field. It's, it's great. It's good. Anyway. You get it there and not in, in Times Square where it's just like Red Lobster neon lights like right. glaring into your retinas yeah and someone dressed as elmo is trying yeah. to beat the shit out of you yeah. <laughs> Almo, like it's like a little off it's like orange and yeah exactly yeah anyway i'm not here to talk about central park and how great my day was uh i'm here to talk about <laughs> rune factory it was a nice convo okay. it was nice yeah it was actually yeah. maybe the only time we've been low-key for real ever yeah here's the thing Last week, I talked about Rune Factory 5, which is a, yes. a new game for the Nintendo Switch. came out recently. We kind of hypothesized that Rune Factory 4 might be the way to go. You and I bought it immediately after recording. Based on a lot of conversations in the Discord, uh, have since learned a lot about Rune Factory as a franchise. Didn't realize this, but the company that was making it went under. And that's why there's been such a long delay between 4 and 5 is like the rights and the, and the studio kind of restarted. And this is their first game in like a decade, which is kind of yeah. wild, which kind of explains a lot about Rune Factory 5, I think, actually. But um, also, since recording, I have gone back since realizing that 1, 2, and 3 are on the DS and we're doing our DS bonus later in the year. And I have checked out all three of them as well, oh, just, wow. just to like get a taste of what they all bring to the table. Like, where did the series start? Where are we at now? So I have consumed a breath of Rune Factory content. But you have started playing four and you had no experience yeah. with the franchise at all. And I'm really curious how you're feeling about it. I mean, I know how you're feeling about it because you and I have been texting literally nonstop about it for <laughs> just about seven straight yeah. days. I started this recording saying ultra hello to you, which means right. that I've been playing Rune Factory 4 special on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really surreal. This is something that I think you and I really, really love in doing this show. When there's a series we know absolutely nothing about and then we just like uncover, like we go from knowing nothing to like, here's the best one to start with like i love that sudden <laughs> yes. arrogance that we get because um, rune factory has been like every nintendo direct when rune factory shows up it's like in the middle when they expect you to like go to the bathroom like it's like it's <laughs> it's always the like announcement that i'm like i feel like i i kind of know what this is but i don't really know like yeah i, I really knew nothing about it i just knew that people kind of liked it and that it was like sort of a life sin yeah i think uh, shout out to a friend of the show kyle star who i think tweeted at us after we did that episode and said i always thought that rune factory was a match three game which like <laughs> i it's also where i was at honestly yeah. before before yeah. i started playing it i had no that's how little i knew about rune factory in our defense the ads for rune factory are are 
literally like Rune Factory's on the Switch now, and then it moves on to like you know <laughs> some wrestling game. <laughs> so you blew my mind last week when you revealed that this series started as a spinoff of Harvest Moon. Yeah, the first game, and I believe maybe even some later ones, have the subtitle "A Fantasy Harvest Moon." Yeah, one, two, and three all do. Which I think is just like I think this series is still kind of riding off of what a good pitch that is. Like it's such a good <laughs> premise that I think so many people want the idea yeah. of making a game that is entirely about living in a JRPG fantasy town. Because mm-hmm. that's like, that's an element in a lot of JRPGs that's given so much attention and so much detail and its visuals and the music, but then like you buy a few potions and then never come back. It's like, what if you actually gave that place character and a life that kind of goes on with or without you yeah i still think that there's so much to do within that like i feel like there are eight different games that immediately come to mind just with that idea of like what if you just set a whole game in a town in this type of world totally so i've only played rune factory for special i've i've seen some footage of five after you brought it to the show and i did my own research because i'm like again you know we're both doing the the ds preparation and i wanted to see like what are the ones people really like and it's like unanimously for like yes. every now and then someone's like three's kind of good but like four is the favorite there's almost no other discussion happening yeah and four was on the 3ds i believe in like 2012 it came out in the u.s and then five years later it got the sort of glossed up port to switch called rune factory 4 special which is what you and i are playing yeah so i think there's some extra content it's a little bit like smoother running um it it loads really fast in a way that's like kind of always alarming which i love where it's like you know like in stardew valley for example which is a similar type of life sim after a full day of farming or talking to townspeople or exploring the caves when you go to bed you get like a very tranquil view of the night sky and like bars fill up showing you like how well did you do today Mm -hmm. and refactory for special like the minute you go to sleep you wake up going it's a new day and then like your butler is right there waiting for you it's yeah. like the, the, because they increase the load times you don't get like any any beat between days which is so funny to me yeah <laughs> but uh i am really really enjoying it i have a lot to say i have, I have a lot to like point out and and some stuff to critique as well as with anything but overall i think that four comes really close to delivering the full promise of how good the premise is and it's a really hard game to put down it's one of those games where like yeah i'm always like okay i think i like it and then i you know pick it up to play for an hour and then like four hours have melted away yeah and so that means that i'm enjoying it but uh (laughs) i really like it i really like the the setting and i i kind of want to hear what you have to say because i I hope i hope that that will help frame our discussion past just i like it because i have a lot to point out but i just want to hear like what your overall impressions are especially after you started with five which is seems to be like kind of a mixed reception yeah so I picked up Rune Factory 4 right after we finished recording, specifically because a lot of people have said that that is the one to play, as you were just mentioning. And also, it's like pretty cheap by comparison. Like Rune Factory 5 is a new release and is priced like it. Rune Factory 4 is half the price of a new release on the Switch, which, you know, felt like that's an okay risk to take, especially if I'm kind of like learning the history of the series. I don't really know a lot about, especially considering 5 has kind of this mixed reception, as you were saying, um, and 4 seems to be the favorite. So it's like, let me let me see why people cling to 4 so much and why people are a little bit iffy about this jump into 3d with five and the way that that game works etc etc and immediately had a very similar reaction that you did uh so just to be clear uh, at the top level when we're saying like it's a fantasy harvest moon we talked about this last week but if you didn't listen to last week's episode the way rune factory works is you're farming 
You are uh, building and maintaining relationships with people in the town. You are doing quests here and there for the people in town as well. And there is also like a JRPG style, like actual main story quest line that's happening alongside all of this. Um, And this is present in all of these games. That is kind of the idea is like you're balancing these disparate pieces of different video games that are all kind of smashed together. So you're kind of getting a best of all worlds in that way. And I, I think a lot of the success and failure of these games kind of depends on how well they're able to balance all of those things. Yeah. Um, four, I would say, strikes the best balance between all of them so far. The big thing about four for me, and, and I would very much now having played one, two and three a little bit as well. I played like the first hour of all three of them, just to be clear. I haven't gotten. Yeah. But the thing about four is that it is the best of all of them at feeding you into the loop of the game. Um, we talked a little yeah. bit last week about uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, specifically like the the first like two weeks to a month of that game, specifically just like taking you through everything that you can do in Animal Crossing. So by the time the credits roll and it's like, OK, the game is beginning now, you know, probably what you're going to want to do and how you're going to want to engage with those systems and like the stuff you're going to want to focus on. Am I going to get really into, you know, building up the island and like terraforming and stuff like that? Am I going to get really into just like making a shitload of money and like upgrading my house? and paying off all my loans am i gonna get really into fishing <laughs> am i gonna auction of- off raymond for real money on <laughs> amazon.com yeah so that's kind of how new horizons gets you in that hook rune factory 4 i think actually has a really really stellar tutorial and it essentially comes via the request board there's like this board yeah. outside of your house or, or the palace that you live in um that essentially just like every day you can go in and at the beginning of the game you can take one request per day and that one request quest is like here's the tutorial on how to do this system and then the next you know a couple days in they give you two requests per day so it's like here's another tutorial and here's just like a random request it's like you know grow a turnip for this person because they want a turnip or like deliver this item to this person or whatever you know go kill this monster out in the woods and then eventually you can get three requests per day and then four and throughout that entire experience you're also just kind of being fed all these different tutorials and they're layering on these mechanics in a way that feels very natural it feels like It's kind of growing at a pace that doesn't feel overwhelming at all, which was kind of my huge issue with five is that I feel like the tutorial is not very strong. Five really from now going back to it, five really assumes that this is not your first Rune Factory game, which is kind of surprising because it's been a decade. So like it's probably will be most people. (laughs) Chances are. yeah. Yeah. But that having been said, playing four and going through the tutorial because five is so much like it just in 3D has actually made me enjoy five more than I was before, because now I understand how to play the video game. You have the vocabulary for it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about five that I think uh, maybe is rubbing some people the wrong way, and it really depends on how much you care about this balance. As I was mentioning last week, like it's not an end of the world plot. There's not really like too much of a of like a crisis to deal with in five. It is much more focused on the life sim element than it is on the like JRPG combat element. You're going out and like doing stuff, you know, you're like fighting bosses and exploring the woods and doing all that kind of stuff that you would do in these games. But there's way less of an emphasis on that versus the like managing relationships with people, building up your farm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think if you're, if you lean more towards like the, I like bringing all my friends along with me to go crawl through a dungeon side of things, like maybe actually Rune Factory five isn't really the one to go for but i am 
always looking for the game that reminds me of Animal Crossing and like gives me that same feeling. And five is actually scratching that itch a lot more than I was expecting. Oh, um, cool. That having been said, all of that having been said, I have very much been trying to split my time equally between four and five uh, just because I really like these are the two games that are available on the Switch right now. They're the most easily accessible. Which one do I recommend to people? And it's like unequivocally four. Four is like absolutely <laughs> the one to play. It just I, I think like it, it loads fast, as you were saying, the art is like really great. I, I really like the art style, like the presentation of the town and the world that you're in. Uh, yeah, it is, reminds me a lot of FF9. Like it's a top yeah, down totally. view, but it has this sort of like pre-rendered backgrounds of Final Fantasy IX. Some of it's like a little off in yeah. moments, but it's overall it's like upscaled 3DS graphics. You know, it's like yeah, exactly. it's like they threw the 3DS backgrounds into the oil paint filter in Photoshop and they were like, <laughs> that's it. It doesn't look bad though. I kind of like it. I, I like it too. Yeah. I mean, I think especially once you get to know the town and there's a really helpful minimap so like i got to know the town's layout very quickly yes in a way that i still don't feel confident in stardew valley of like where does that <laughs> yeah. person live like beneath the cave how do i get there yeah yeah I, I think that the presentation is great and you know the character portraits are fun the, the thing i'll say about four is like i was very unsure at first like even though the tutorial is pretty good and i think the best thing about the game is that like there's so many systems that it could be so overwhelming you just like yeah quit immediately but they it really in execution it boils down to like you're just gonna know what you want to do and your character will like yell hooray when they level up like i'm, I'm never <laughs> thinking about like oh i need to level up this there to do x yeah. the only time i've really thought about that is with cooking because there's an item called recipe bread where if you eat it you'll learn new recipes but you need to have higher cooking to learn more so it's like the only stat i've really been like looking at yeah but even then that means that you're focusing on cooking in that way right like exactly, that means that that's yeah. the thing that you're kind of drilling down into i've been spending a lot of time recently focusing on upgrading my armor you know so like i have i've been kind of ignoring cooking recently outside of like making food to give to people as gifts but, uh, but for the yeah. most part i'm like trying to upgrade my own stuff the, and so in the opening hour like it, it without spoiling it begins with like your characters on an airship and they basically fall off and get amnesia and you know i mean that is a very big jrpg trope but it seems like that's also the way all these games begin every single which, one. like yes to me the tone of the game quickly i realize like it's it's very light and it seems to be having a lot of fun with convention like yeah. i don't think it really takes itself that seriously it there, it's like grounded like there there are stakes but it's not really pretending that it's telling this unique tale they're sort of like almost embracing like archetypes and mm -hmm. traditions but that that beginning section like you're on the airship for a very long time before you fall off and there's a moment where they introduce combat where the character is like oh yeah i can i can push this button and select my sword and it felt like really off yeah and then like you fall on top of a dragon and, like i was just like where is this I'm so confused and like uncomfortable, <laughs> but like as soon as you like get to the town and you begin that loop you're talking about where there's actually the message board is a character that has like a weird like like the sign is kind of a face. Yeah, um, like in like a scarecrow kind of way. Once you get that loop and you meet everyone in the town and you are sort of like, OK, I can I can now sort of envision how I should spend my day. I can like work on the farm. I can go out and, and fight monsters. What I really love about this game is how seamless the transition is between like being in town and being 
being in combat. Like everything has a function in both worlds. Like mm, the idea yeah. that I can go around town and give people gifts in a Stardew Valley way where I have like the item above my head and I give it to them. I love too that everyone in the town, like they're also all busy. Like they're all doing their own stuff. Yeah. And they're all like, you know, talking and reacting and using items in the same way you are, which makes it feel very immersive. Yeah. They all work in the shops. They're all like, yeah. you know, you can, you can tell who's friends with who and like you'll see them hanging out and like fishing together and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. And every now and then, like if you see a bunch of people in one area, there, there could be like events you can see, which... There was one that that really made me laugh. I thought it was so silly. But um, there are three characters that are in the town. One is like one of the butlers. Her name's Clorica. And her whole thing is that she's like tired all the time, which, you know, whatever. Yeah. But what I like is that she's one of the characters I've gotten to know a little better. And I don't know. I don't have full confidence in this yet, but it seems like the better you know a character, the more layers they kind of reveal. And I'm already kind of getting like, why is she tired all the time? Like, what is she kind of going through? You know, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit more beneath just like that's her quirk there's something there's a story to be told there but she begins a, a get it together club with two other characters this like you know kind of <laughs> sylvain-esque guy who works at the grocery store and this like girl with butterfly wings who's just like in, in her head in the clouds all the time yeah um so the the three characters like do need to get it together the most <laughs> and, like they just for for like three days straight they run around town and they like talk to your character they respect so the first character they go to is the knight forte who teaches them how to fight and then they go to the guy who's like actually a prince which we'll get into uh they go to the prince to help him with desk work and immediately clorica passes out and the other two just leave like they just go to do their own thing (laughs) and he was like yeah they didn't really help you know i'm glad to you know be of service in some way so like even though the the story is pretty you know typical stuff and like the game isn't really trying to to push any you know storytelling conventions the writing is really fun like everyone in the town has a really strong sense of character and like it's a genuinely funny game and i i think what really carries it is like how light and welcoming it is what i also like is that like i the, the elephant in the room of this game, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but the one thing that kind of really irks me is how young some of the characters are portrayed as. And Wild. the fact that their yeah. romance interest is like really off-putting. That's like the one big thing that makes me hesitant to recommend the game because I'm like, this this is inexcusable at a certain point, you yeah, know? I totally agree. The reason it doesn't get in the way of the entire experience is that like I actually like that the game, the characters all have their own life and they're not like positioning themselves to be a love interest to you like if you like want to pursue someone that is entirely your own doing so like it's not written in a persona way where like everyone is kind of your girlfriend like right everyone exists to be married and that's it yeah Yeah, i know right like at least so far everyone seems to have like their own thing going on and even if you choose the option where you yell i love you at them in the middle of a conversation usually they're like what yeah it's great (laughs) yeah so, you know, it's I, I don't want to excuse that, but it is sort of like the elephant in the room while while playing the game. Yeah, I think that that's one of the there's a back and forth here where I, I think the art style and the way that the characters are drawn in four specifically really highlights how brutal that is. Um, yeah. And 
five because they've made this jump to 3D and they've also changed the art style and the way that they've decided to to draw these characters. It still is bad, to be clear, but I feel like it's slightly less bad in five than it is in four. And that still is at a place that I think I agree with you is inexcusable, which is a bummer. But I think you're right in that like you don't have to go out and romance these characters. It's very strange that some of them are options. I totally agree with you. Yeah. But there are a few that aren't strange. You know, there are a few that exactly. are okay in, in yeah. both games that I've uh, put a lot of time into so far so like if I ever decide to go down that route which I don't even know if I will like at least there are a couple options that are like fine yeah um, you can da- you can date the mean werewolf man and it's totally fine yes you know? yes exactly or, or Jack Sparrow <laughs> who is in the game for some reason so one thing I really like in terms of like the life sim part of it to kind of highlight a positive is that yeah. you can ask anybody like hey do you want to go on an adventure with me and they'll like walk with you and you can give them equipment and yes Like I, the character that I've gotten to like the highest level with is the knight forte because she just rules. She's like really strong. She heals you. And uh, there's also a mechanic where you can give monsters you find items as gifts. And if they like it and you have a monster barn, they'll just become a Pokemon essentially. Like they'll just join your farm and you have to take care of them and brush them and they have their own friendship meter. So like at this point, I just bring the town guard and like three squirrels with me wherever (laughs) I go, (laughs) which is thrilling. And I like how loose the game is with like who qualifies as a party member. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too. I, I feel like, I don't know if I have any data to back this up, but it seems like certain characters like joining you for certain things better. Like Mm. I'll bring Forte with me to go out and go through the ruins. And I have to say like the combat's not, it's nothing like groundbreaking, but it's, it's much more solid than you would think right away. There's actually more systems going on. It's very like hack and slashy, but you unlock a couple spells and abilities that I think add a little bit more nuance. And the bosses are, are trickier than you would expect. They can be like actually tough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely not like I wouldn't say it's the selling point of the game, but I think it's it's definitely more than serviceable and it becomes yet another thing that's enjoyable to do within this world. Yeah. For the second boss, I brought uh, Forte with me, obviously, because as you were saying, she's like the weapons expert in town. So it made sense to bring her along. Yeah. Uh, and I also brought Clorica because I was like, I don't know. I just want to see like what she's like when she's not like a sleepy butler. And the answer is that <laughs> even in combat, she's a sleepy butler. I don't know if you ever brought her with you, but she will frequently just fall asleep like while you're going through a dungeon. <laughs> I kept thinking that she was dying. I was like, how is she dying so fast? Like yeah. we're just fighting like little gremlin dudes. Like there's nothing too dangerous here. And then I realized that she would just go. I'm done and just lie down on the ground and fall asleep for a while, <laughs> which I really love. I, I was powerful. honestly very surprised to see that level of depth in a way in terms of like yeah. taking a character trait and, and making that just exist in the actual other side of the game, like bringing that into the combat realm as well. You know, I imagine that would also be true if you like took her fishing or something. It would probably be very similar. Well, what I was going to say is like, so I bring Clorica with me if I'm just doing farm work and she's mm. like super into it. She's like, oh, wow, like you're great at this. I know. <laughs> she's like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I gave her like a magical umbrella I found. So she's just walking around with an umbrella like yawning as I do yard work and she's like way to go (laughs) I think that that those moments kind of showcase how much thought they put into the characters which at first kind of seemed like one note but yeah the fact that they all have their own schedule and their way of behaving as characters in your party it makes them all feel really alive and it, it makes them feel like 
I don't know. I just, I, I think it adds to the sense of routine where like mm-hmm. you kind of know what everyone else's loop is in a day and like running into those random events is like always really fun because you don't expect it. Like you don't know when you're going to walk in and there's going to be like a weird cut scene of some kind. Yeah. It's really nice. And like, I, I like everyone in the town is very friendly. I learned a spell where I just yell good morning at people, yeah. which is wonderful. It's, you don't get anything out of that, by the way. People don't say don't. hello back to you. So like <laughs> when you walk around the town in the morning, people will say hello to you and you, you get a spell that just is called good morning as you're saying and then you could say it back to them but like you're not increasing anyone's friendship meter that way it's just literally a thing that you can do which i really love it's fun though because like people will like just sort of talk out loud as you're running past and like everyone is always sprinting around town which makes me laugh like, yeah with time. like an apple over their head that's like yeah. the size of their whole body yeah and uh you'll hear them go like i'm hungry and then uh my favorite thing is there's there's a dragon who is sort of the like protector of the town they're the mayor yeah they're the mayor <laughs> which rules but uh whenever it rains they go this weather sucks like like in a very like <laughs> yeah. passive way it just makes me laugh every time it's a very at least currently it feels very wholesome and very light and i think it's why this series is so popular why this game is so popular it's mm-hmm. so nice to return to the one kind of thing for me is like i kind of hope that the jrpg story stays as a background element because like, i like that it's you know you are kind of the chosen one you know i was told about how there are four dragons and mm-hmm. i've now gone into two different ruins and it seems like that's coming to the surface more which is cool but i also i think that the appeal for this premise in this series to me is like being part being a small part of this big world. Yes. You know, I almost wish there was a Rune Factory game where like, you know, you could have that story, but like, give me a role in the town. Like, am I the tavern keeper or the baker or something Mm. like, because it almost feels like having a farm is like there because it was originally Harvest Moon. Like, I don't know like why my character is tasked with the farm (laughs) other than the fact that it's like become a staple of a life sim game at this point. Yeah. I almost wonder if there's a, I've always had this idea and not to be like, I have an idea for a game, but I I feel like this, the premise is so strong. It kind of uh, inspires a lot of ideas within me. And like, I've always wanted to see a game where you play as a role in a JRPG town, like, and there is like someone else is the chosen hero, but like your actions can change their story in some way. Mm. Like, how do you exist within this place as a positive element for someone else's story? Yeah. And that is what's happening here too. But I think like by being the chosen one or whatever, or like, I don't know, I just, I, I kind of wish it was almost more in the background. If that yeah. makes sense. I think so. Uh, two thoughts there. Number one, I, I know for a fact that Rune Factory 4's story does get a little bit more end of the world plotty the further gotcha. in you get. But also, yeah. I mean, the beauty of the game is that you don't really have to engage with it that much if you don't want to. Like, yeah. You could just live out all the other stuff that you're doing and enjoy that and, you know, only check in with the main quest if you want to and just continue going through year after year after year in the game and like level up everywhere else. So that's cool. The other side of that is like, as I was saying before, five doesn't really have that as much. Five actually is more. You're just kind of like a jack of all trades who lives in town. And part of your trades that you are a jack of all is uh, combat. (laughs) (laughs) so they'll just like frequently send you out to like catch monsters or you know they have they have like a bounty board for monsters sometimes that are like capture this and bring it back etc etc which is cool I, i i appreciate that i think more in some ways than like having this big kind of quest thing that I have to go down because uh, it gets closer to what you're talking about because this is another thing that I think about all the time is I just I just want more games like this like you're saying and frequently 
people recommend some to me and they just like don't end up working out that well. Like uh, Stardew Valley, for example, is like a game that I really like and definitely played a lot of, but like didn't hook me the way that this game currently is or that Animal Crossing does. Moonlighter, I think, is a good example of a game like that as well that kind of has this like two halves element where you're not the hero of that game. You just run a shop and you have to go and get your own inventory for the shop. But like the chosen hero comes in and shops at your store, right, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And that game worked really well for me for a while too. And then eventually I kind of petered out on it. But Rune Factory to me, four and five both feel like games that I could, I can and probably will dump just so, so, so much time into. And the thing about it, so like the top level for me is, I think if you're even remotely curious about this franchise, four is the one to get. But I do think when you've played four enough and you're at a point where it's like, I think I've seen all that I need to see in Rune Factory 4, five will be there waiting for you and is actually really great if you already know how to play Rune Factory. It has kind of been the thing that I've been learning the more I've gone back and forth. Does it run very well on the Switch? Not really. Do I really care about that? Also not really. If, if you're a person who like really cares about frame rate and load times and stuff like that, like you probably won't have the best time with Rune Factory 5, but I, I'm not there to get like, you know, 30 or 60 frames per second locked. I'm there to harvest a turnip and give it to somebody who I think is cool, you know? The other thing, I think I like the characters more in 5. Oh, really? Yeah. I, th- I think the people who live in town are more interesting. I like the people in four a lot, but uh, five has a really great cast, like immediately. So I don't know. I think they're they're good games. Is the answer. Yeah, they are. What have you noticed about the older ones you played? Like, how is the jump between three and four, for example? Three and four, remarkably similar. Um, mm. So like one, two to three kind of feel honestly, one, two, three and four in a way just kind of feel like this very natural progression path. Um, yeah. Five is the real outlier here, but I understand why people would say the three is the best because it feels very similar to four um, mm. to me uh, and and also great cast, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I, I, I think I think five is very much the strange one, uh, just like being in 3D. But really, once you get down to it, like all of the systems from four exist in five again. Um, it's just like the jump to the third dimension is uh, <laughs> is throwing a lot of people off. Yeah, I mean, even in four, like, I I keep feeling like even though I'm really enjoying it, and I would recommend it to anyone who likes Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley or any of those games. Yeah, there's this feeling where I'm like, it's so close to greatness. I feel like there's like a few yeah. tweaks or changes or additions. I I do think it it spreads itself a little thin. Like I do think it does balance all the elements well, but I just wonder like if they if they really looked at what's there and mm-hmm. what benefits from being there and kind of refined it and like got a little bit more time and more of a budget, which is a big ask because I know the company went out of business. (laughs) You know, a a larger budget was not an option, but I just feel like I'm waiting for like the new Rune Factory game that like is sort of the definitive version of this. I feel like it's still, even though four is is seen as the best one, I feel like there's still so much potential here to be like a huge hit because this is such a good idea. I totally agree. Yeah, and as I was saying last week, what I said about five is also true of four, where like it's pretty good at everything, but it's not great at anything, really. It's like like pretty good at every aspect of the game it's trying to do. And to be clear, that's like, way too many things for one game to take on. If you sat me down and you were like, there's a game that is going to be a farming sim and a relationship management thing. And also you can like run shops and you can cook and you can craft and you can uh, use a forge. And you are also like capturing and training monsters like Pokemon and you're dungeon crawling and you're fighting bosses. And there's a JRPG. I would be like, that's too much stuff for one game. There's no way in hell that that game is going to be good. And it's like pretty good at all of it. And that's kind of miraculous by itself. And I I think the fact that 
five is really just like all of that. But in 3D now is kind of the reason for the mixed reception is is my takeaway here is like people want what you're talking about. And I also now want what you're talking about. Like, I think yeah. after 10 years of waiting, people were like, I really hope that five is the thing that really propels it into the spotlight. And it's unfortunately not. It's kind of just like more of the same, but in a different location in 3D. But hopefully if five sells well enough and they get a bigger budget behind them, like maybe that is a possibility down the line. Like maybe that is a thing that could happen. And I don't know, based on the the Switch eShop rankings right now, Rune Factory 5 is like in the top 10 and also the Deluxe wow. Edition is in the top 20. So like it's selling all right still, which is great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it does well enough to to warrant like a really maybe a, a big update for five that <laughs> makes it run better uh, <laughs> or, you know, throw that budget towards the six. Exactly. Yeah. There's a reason why I think it has such a devoted following and that people still play four for X hundred hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, the premise is such a good promise for an experience that like I, I hope to see more of this series or at least games inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's the other thing is that like, give me a sci fi version of this etc cetera, etc cetera. you know like oh mass effect yeah that's pretty yeah cool. yeah yeah, yeah I, let me run a shop in the citadel or something <laughs> i love giving morden turnips <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know all that said i rune factory 4 is really working for me yeah and uh I'm going to I'm going to play a lot of it. And I think like now that we're done recording this episode, I still don't know which or sorry, this segment in this episode. I, d- I don't know which of the two I'm going to like devote time to. I still might be splitting my time between two of them, which is like completely weird and nobody should do that. But <laughs> that's kind of the, the place I put myself in right now. I think I might yeah. eventually get five too before the year is over, given how much I like four. I think yeah. it might. And then it's also like the fact that like the game was received as well as it was given how many things are inherently wrong with it. It's like <laughs> kind of proof that like the central idea is it's almost like Arceus where it's like that game really does not look good. And it, you know, there's, there's a lot that could be said about it, but the central idea and the core loop of it is so strong that everything yeah. else kind of fades away. Yeah. Yeah. Given that game does play well, but yeah. Arceus is definitely a good, uh, good comparison point for Rune Factory five, I think. Um, yeah. All right. All right, well, that's it. Well, Rune Factory. Good night. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching, um, I don't know, if you, have you heard of Severance on Apple TV yet? I've you been hearing a lot about it recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so uh, the, the whole conceit of the show is um, there are people who get this operation done to their brain uh, where when they go to work, they don't remember anything about their life on the outside. And when they leave work, oh, they don't wow. remember anything about their life at work. Uh, and that's very nice. much what Rune Factory feels like. There's a <laughs> there's a scene in the beginning where like somebody somebody new, like a new severed person shows up in, in the office um, and they're like, you know, doing the on the job training and stuff. And she leaves after her first day and comes back and is like, is this it? Am I I'm back? It's it's the next day. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't get to experience sleep, but you did sleep like the person on the outside slept, but you don't get to experience it. Unfortunately, I wouldn't really focus on that. And that's very much how I feel playing Rune Factory for whenever <laughs> I go to sleep and I wake up immediately. It's like, oh, man, I, I, I don't get to see the sleep, but like hopefully they're rested. <laughs> Another thing too about Rune Factory Four that's like stuck in my head permanently is the the theme that plays like when you're in a store sounds so much like the Music Man song like but I never heard them singing the <laughs> you know that song yeah. it's like one to one I keep humming it to myself constantly yeah it's it's haunting me I I totally but I have never heard them at all till there was you I ha- I have every song from Rune Factory Four and Five stuck in my head, <laughs> and I've been humming them nonstop for days. Uh, your dirt can level up anyway your dirt can level up you can level up your bathing stat <laughs> really yeah i know sleeping is a stat too sleeping walking bathing 
throwing. I, I, I fished a can out of a lake uh, and immediately <laughs> threw it back in the lake because I was so upset and I leveled up my throwing skill. But I never heard them throwing, though I never The fun thing is all those stats throwing. actually, like, really do help a lot. Like, as, do, as, yeah. as you level that stuff up, it really does make the game better, which is kind of why. So, like, at the beginning of the game, you can't really do a whole lot of farm work because you have so they, they have this uh, meter called RP. It's very if you played Stardew Valley, you know, that you have like that energy meter throughout the day. It's very similar to that. Um, yeah. And you can only do so much throughout the day. But as you continue to level up, like top level your number but also all the individual stats all the individual stats do different things so like as you level up walking you get more of that meter every day uh you're just like you're building up your stamina so you can do more stuff so like now i can actually tend to my entire farm every day and not just like have to pick and choose what stuff i'm actually doing in the farm which is great also you can go take a bath and get all your rp back so that's nice i'm out of free baths which sucks now they're like a thousand gold i'm like i'm not made of spinach all right um But you can also, if you get close enough with your Pokemon, you can assign chores to them in the farm. So it feels like eventually you could just have like a self-sustaining farm or like yes. all your squirrels just like level up the dirt and you just say ultra hello and move on with your day. I have. Yeah, I've not gotten to that point yet, but I do no. keep asking the sheep that lives in my barn if it's ready to start working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There are ants in my house, but I never heard them working, <laughs> though I did never you know, heard them at all. Did you know that if you bring your monsters out into the into the dungeons with you, um, very much like Pokemon and EV training, they will get different stats depending on what monsters they fight? Oh, wow. I didn't Isn't that incredible? Training in I didn't meet, like, I met a NPC in a cabin because it's actually a pretty extensive world map. It's much bigger than you would think. Yeah. Like outside the town where the dungeons are. And the dungeon design is fun. I actually do like the layout and the light puzzle element mm. as well. But there's an NPC I met in a cabin who's like, I can tell you how strong your monster is. And I'm like, yeah. man, I I feel like I might have one barn just for like chore monsters and then one barn for like the team. You know? Yeah. I do, I do have two barns currently. Like the jocks and the nerds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've put anyway. nobody in the second barn yet. It's it's exclusive, and I don't know who's going to go in there. I'm pretty um, picky right now. My monsters. I have like a squirrel, an ant, like a weird guy that just rolls around. Yeah, the um, apple guy. Yeah, his yeah. name is Pommy. I think. Yeah, yeah, I just go with the name they give me. Yeah, me too. The names are so yeah. good. I also. It turns out I think that you can also capture the boss monsters as well. Oh, really? Which is wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bosses I've fought so far, light spoiler, but they become characters. They turn into people. Yeah, I know. I know. In five, the first monster that you go up against, who I think also turns into a person <laughs> when you beat it's them. very strange. I saw, I, I didn't actually click through on this, but I saw like in my YouTube recommended videos, it was like, here's how to capture that first monster, which is actually maybe now problematic now that I know they turn into a person, but. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've been trying to end anyway. this segment for a while. Uh, and that's as good a spot as any. Uh, Rune Factory 4 Special is available on the Switch. Uh, if you're in the United States, 30 United States dollars. And uh, Rune Factory 5 is also available on the Switch. Um, also, both are available on PlayStation and I think maybe PC as well. 
And I guess if you want to play the original 3DS eStore, it's still active until the end of March 2023, baby. Yeah, so you can, you can pick that up. But honestly, I like the Switch port a lot. I mean, I haven't played the 3DS one, but it's actually one of the few games I've been playing handhelds. I've been like playing Me handheld too. again. Yeah, I've been really surprised by that. Yeah. So I, I have the OLED Switch, as we've mentioned, and, and I've been nice. very interested in like how much handheld I, I was going to play when I picked it up. And, and the answer is like, I'm playing a little bit more handheld than usual, but not that much. It really still depends on the game for me. And because Rune Factory 4 and 5 are both like you know multi hundred hour events it means i'm probably gonna be playing a lot of handheld this year and also 13 sentinels comes out soon and i'm oh yeah stoked for that on the switch yeah definitely and chrono cross too chrono cross which i just pre-ordered hell yeah yeah i, <laughs> I forgot i pre-ordered it and i got an email that was like we've charged your card for this i'm like what is the- oh it's radical dreamers thank yeah. you <laughs> am i am i getting scammed by yeah like, just got chrono hacked. Cross? yeah yeah <laughs> anyway you want to move on yeah let's take a break see ya Bye-bye. Ultra goodbye. <laughs> but I never heard them singing. I never heard them at all. I have a distinct memory of Miss Piggy singing that, and I don't know if it's actually happened or not. <laughs> I just keep hearing like, There were birds on a hill, but I never heard them singing. And we're back. <laughs> I was so secure in that not being on the episode. I mean, it's it's on brand. Miss Piggy means a lot to me. I don't care. Yeah, uh, me too. I, honestly, I think your Miss Piggy impression was very good. Just a, a, throw it on the pile of stuff that you're accidentally very good at. <laughs> I, I'm starting to realize I can also do a decent Kermit. So one day I'll have a duet going on. Oh, man, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, totally, absolutely, completely related to the Muppets. I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> subscription <laughs> offerings. <laughs> uh, we kind of alluded to this in last week's episode because <laughs> there was this there was a rumor going around that there was going to be like a big PlayStation Plus update and hoping that it was going to show up last week. And it sure did. Uh, I think the day that this episode or the day that last week's episode came out and uh, we got this breakdown i don't i don't think we need to do like a whole segment on it i don't think we need to talk about it too much i just want to get kind of your take on it yeah sure i've been talking about it a lot on or in the discord i did a youtube video about it um and a live stream about it last week when it broke but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing okay so here's what's happening playstation plus is changing in a pretty major way and they're rolling out two extra tiers on top of the one that everyone knows and Maybe loves, maybe doesn't. Um, So the three tiers are now PlayStation Plus Essential, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. So the whole idea here is that Essential just gives you everything that you're already getting with PlayStation Plus, right? You're paying, uh, I think it's, what, $10 a month, $60 a year. Um, You're getting two games that you can download every month for free. Uh, You're getting discounts on some stuff. You're getting cloud storage, and you're getting the ability to play stuff online, I uh, thought it was more. Have they have they made that less expensive? I think they made this slightly less expensive. So then there's PlayStation Plus Extra, which is this new thing. So this you get everything that you're getting currently, plus adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including we're talking Gex, Gex Enter the Gecko, Deep Cover Gecko. Can't believe you're bringing up Gex. Did you see the news about Gex today? There's Gex no. news. There's Gex. <laughs> there's Gex news. AJ, give us whatever sound you think. <laughs> It's for Gex news. news. We need this is an emergency. Breaking Gex news. Breaking Gex news. For me, you shouldn't have. I actually need to take a sip of, of coffee. So you can spit it all over the place when you say Gex news. <laughs> Gex news. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Somebody uploaded a video today <laughs> of an unmade 
Gex game. There was a demo that somebody made for a game called Gex Jr. That was going to be a new <laughs> game in the Gex timeline. Wow. Uh, Gex's and- son? I get, I don't know if it, that's that was my question. Is it Gex's son or is it Gex as a kid? I'm not sure, mm. but uh, he sure is wearing like Ness's shirt and a and a baseball hat, and that's all they've done to make Gex look young, which is really funny. <laughs> that's a very how do you do, fellow kids? Gex, yeah, energy. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Anyway, that's uh, that's Gex Junior. and that's Gex News. Gex News out. I think you enjoyed that. Wow, thank you for that. Yeah, totally. Anyway, back to back to Sony news. Okay, adds a catalog of 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play, which I am very happy about. So it's not all streaming, it's not all cloud, which was kind of my big concern. Because a lot of this has been blending PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, which are these two disparate services that they were selling and you could subscribe to independently from one another. This is like a supposed to be a cleaner offering by blending the two together. So 400 games is a lot. Very interested to see like what that catalog is going to look like. I imagine it'll be mostly stuff that's available in PlayStation Now right now, if I were to guess. So that's going to be $15 a month or $100 a year. That's not bad. I mean, it's about what Game Pass is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Game Pass. Keep Game Pass in front of mind for this. All right. So after that, PlayStation Plus Premium, this is the top level one. Uh, You get everything that we just talked about, plus 340 additional games, including a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2 and PSP and PS3 games that are only available via cloud streaming, which is very strange. Um, I, I know I know why that's happening, but it's very strange and very hard to, I think, uh, tell the consumer why that is the case, because it involves like weird acquisitions and uh, horrible uh, architecture. But anyway, uh, you're also getting cloud streaming access for all that stuff as well, if you want. And time limited game trials will also be offered in this tier. So customers oh, yeah. can try select games before they buy. Dex Jr. Playable demo. Yeah. Save data carries over. That's going to be. $18 a month or $120 a year, which is twice the price of PlayStation Plus Essential. Uh, it's pretty expensive, I'll say. All of those are, oh, you know what? I take it back. I'm paying for the like pay three months at a time plan. That's why I'm like, I, I remember the number $24.99, yeah. but that's like not accurate. I'll take yeah. it back. So, yeah, actually, you might you might be right. I think PlayStation Plus Essential is going to stay the same price. I think it's $10 a month, 25 per quarter, and then $60 a year. So I guess my question for you is like, do you find this interesting at all? Like, do you do you think that you'll check this out? Do you think that you'll try PlayStation Plus Premium? Is this a thing that you're curious about at all? The short answer is yes. I think yeah. it really depends on what the library is. That's sort of the elephant in the room is like, we don't know. Like, right. 400 games sounds great, but it could be like 400, you know, off-brand yeah. snowboarding games. And then like, guess. Right. Yeah, ch- check out the recent releases section of the eShop, like any day of the week <laughs> on the Switch. And like, th- that could be the level of game that we're talking about here. That being said, Sony's track record for like i forgot where you can get it but the deal they have where if you have like a ps5 you can just download like a bunch of the hits for ps4 for like yeah very little or free even i yeah. I, I think if, i think it's free if you have if you have playstation plus so all that to say I, i'm i'm happy to see sony take some steps for game preservation in any way because i feel like they've been pretty vocally against doing it and this feels a little bit like them folding mm-hmm. to the demand for it which i'm kind of happy to see like i think that like there's such a great library between all the systems that i i'm happy in any way to see that backed up yeah me too so i think i think the big one for me there is the psp stuff because like mm. that can mean like 
you can play Persona 1 and 2, which like are impossible to find. Totally. <laughs> you know, stuff like that I would love to see. The the thing for me specifically is I have a somehow a working PS2 that I still use a lot. Yeah. And I have a lot of the games that I would want to see there already. So I'm like kind of good, but I think it would, <laughs> I need to see like what's available and then make my decision from there. But overall, I think this is a good step. I don't know if this is like what they should settle on permanently, but I do think <laughs> right. it's, it's a, a step in the right direction. I think it also makes sense to combine PS now and PS plus because PS now felt like everyone forgot about it, including Sony. Like it just sort of felt there yeah. and it didn't really make sense. The big irony of PlayStation now is like, it's actually great. It's just like yeah. too expensive and like probably should have been included in PlayStation plus in some way, shape or form. Exactly. Um, yeah. But like was very impressive. I mean, when we were doing our uh, Shadow of the Colossus and Ico bonus, that was how I played Ico. And that was like an extremely good experience. I was yeah. really surprised at how much fun I had with that. I, I, I just feel like they've been steadily growing that catalog ever since launch. And it's yeah. like actually pretty great the big thing about this whole situation to me is like a lot of people are trying to compare this against game pass a lot of people are trying to compare this to nintendo switch online and i feel like it's kind of a weird halfway point between both of them and because of that it's not a very clean offering i think like having these three tiers having these strange stipulations in each tier like okay you're getting premium you can play ps1 ps2 and psp stuff uh but if you want to play ps3 stuff you have to stream it specifically like once you get into that this is where my like i've, I've spent a whole life in marketing as my career brain is like setting off alarm bells it's like how do you communicate <laughs> that to people in a way that makes sense yeah. um weirdly it feels like this playstation plus extra thing is like almost totally useless this in between one like th that that's the one to me that i'm like you're just putting this here just to show that playstation plus premium is not that much more expensive and you're getting so much more like it feels so it feels so overt to me that it's like okay you have this ten dollar a month one then you have a fifteen dollar a month one and then you have an eighteen dollar a month one that's getting you so much more than the fifteen dollar month one it's like you literally just made a whole tier just to upsell people on the one above it um, yeah which is you know rubbing me the wrong way a little bit but i think like you it really just comes down to what these games are like i could see myself doing this for one year and seeing how i feel about it um, yeah but simultaneously like they've said you know god of war 2 is not going to be on this like that's not they're, they're not going to throw new releases on this immediately like game pass that's kind of where it differs from game pass because like to be frank sony doesn't have the money to do that really i don't think they can eat the cost the way microsoft can because they have unlimited dollars and they just yeah, want more right. people to subscribe forever to game pass than they do uh need somebody to buy you know a 70 dollar video game at launch where that is very much like the playstation studios model and this goes to me all the way back to you and i talking about this generation before it even happened like way back you know before the ps5 and the xbox series and whatever came out and we kind of like knew what they were going to be but they hadn't dropped yet i remember you and i having a conversation that was specifically like yeah it's cool that the ps5 is going to be like this big beefy thing but it really is just like the playstation 4 part 2 in a way like it really yeah. feels like they're not changing anything except for this box is more expensive it's even bigger and all the games cost more um yeah. which is going to be like hard to sell people when the alternative is something like the switch which is cheap or game pass which also is like still an incredible deal so this feels like them trying to to me graft like a modern business model onto something that was never intended to have that uh which is yeah totally it's worrying a little bit but like honestly if if that catalog is really that big and that great then maybe it'll be fine like maybe a lot of people will do this i'm probably gonna try it at least i, I think i'll pick it up yeah and, and again i think like as evidenced by ps now's current library i imagine it will be pretty solid like i'm not yes i'm not too worried about that i just need to see it before i'm like here's 18 dollars a month yeah yeah exactly for me to cancel hulu temporarily 
temporarily. I need to really be sold on this, you know? That's sort of where I'm at. <laughs> what are you watching on Hulu that you're going to miss when uh, when you're playing Gex Jr.? <laughs> I reactivate Hulu almost exclusively for what we do in the shadows. Oh, that's yeah. like when September rolls around, I'll have that. But I find that's like the one I go back and forth on the most because like I don't know as many like Hulu exclusive shows that I'm watching that yeah. aren't elsewhere. <laughs> right. So. so you could be playing Gex is what you're saying. So I could be playing Gex until October. Yeah. Until October. <laughs> Sorry, Gex. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I the thing that I keep coming back to is like, I don't know what they're going to drop on PlayStation one and PlayStation two and PSP. That's going to make me think like, oh, man, I'm so excited to play this game again. You know, I'll also, be very interested to see like really what what sticks like. What is the game that's going to be on that list? that's going to make me go, oh, my God, no brainer, because I'm sure there's going to be one. I just don't know what it is yet. Like what? Yeah. what do I have this untapped nostalgia for that they're going to accidentally just reactivate in my brain like I'm the Winter Soldier. I feel like a lot of the big PS1 games, too, like I think of like the Final Fantasies, those are also all on Game pass you know so like it's kind of the thing i have every final fantasy game on my switch at this point pretty much <laughs> yeah like a lot of the third party stuff on both systems is available elsewhere so i wonder yeah. like what is the first party sony stuff on ps1 that people really really want like yeah you know i love crash 2 but like <laughs> we'll see yeah. they've also remade it right like yeah I am. Uh, I'm very curious about it. So we'll we'll wait and see is yeah. basically how I feel. That's actually a good point. I do remember you mentioning that to me earlier this week. You were like a lot of the stuff that's that's from the PS2 generation that I'd be interested in playing has been like remade already or yeah. like, is available. For example, a thing that I've been alluding to, like I've been playing Dark Cloud 1 and 2 recently, which uh, I'm sorry is not going to be this episode. Maybe probably the next one, though, because I'm done with Dark Cloud and I'm working on Dark Cloud 2. I'm not like done with Dark Cloud. I didn't, I didn't play all of Dark Cloud, just to be clear. Uh, I don't I don't think I would ever want to do that. But Dark Cloud 2, I started <laughs> and like great PS2 game extremely good ps2 game and i'm sure will be included in here but uh it sure is already available to purchase and play on the playstation 5 so like is that going to be super enticing i don't really know but anyway this is the playstation update it's coming in june i think they said so uh not as soon as i was expecting yeah i mean the stuff that i want to see is like eco and the persona like three four and and one and two yeah i mean if persona three the ps2 version or the psp version honestly either <laughs> is available yeah. on here that would be extremely cool plus all of the stuff i imagine will still work through streaming which is also very cool uh that was how i played ico in the first place was like on my mac uh with a switch pro controller which is very silly but uh <laughs> i don't know i love I, I love that stuff I'm, I'm excited to see how this turns out hell yeah me too all right let's take a break let's move on see ya see you soon pardon my tongue darling welcome back to the podcast dear listener <laughs> uh, so uh last year to mark the beginning of this season of into the aether season we four, played yeah. uh just about a hundred game boy advance games that people had loosely on the internet said was the best game boy advance game in some way shape or form it, uh, we we made a big list of games that we saw people say like this might be the best one um and then played through all of them and then did a whole bonus episode or i guess that was like the season premiere episode for yeah. this season and we're doing that again for the nintendo ds and i you and i were just saying in between the break that now that we're done with elden ring thankfully it's like okay cool we can get back to playing nintendo ds stuff because like elden ring yeah. as anyone who's playing it knows all encompassing in a big way and i really do feel like releasing that bonus episode was very much like a taking the weight off the shoulders elden ring can just kind of linger in the background you know my new game plus uh save can just like kind of be a thing i go back to occasionally but i'm like yes. very much back in nintendo ds mode which is uh it's been really fun so i i made a list uh it's it's in backlogged i can i'll, I'll link it in the show notes um but i made a list it's a list 
list of, oh man, I don't even know, 108 games that I'm planning on playing. Um, I've actually made it through a pretty big chunk of them, which is pretty cool. But that having been said, there are a couple that uh, I, I've just like really, really wanted to put like a lot of time into and a couple that I've like literally always wanted to play. There are a couple games on this list that I've like really, really had on this like ultimate backlog of mine that's like Super Princess Peach, for example, is a game I've wanted to play like forever. I never got it when I was a kid. I never really found a way or reason to play it. And it was very nice to like go spend a night playing Super Princess Peach uh, a couple days ago and like finally see what that game was all about. And another big one for me is Okami Den, which is the oh yeah, the which sequel. is the sequel yeah. to Okami, which I had no idea what that game was going to be like. I love Okami. I, I didn't I didn't know what the DS sequel was going to was going to play like. You know, is it like a top down thing? Is it I, I don't know. I had no I was like, I imagine the touchpad will be how I do brushstrokes and stuff. Turns out that game is like a full ass 3D video game. It is the whole world of the <laughs> PS2 game somehow squished into a Nintendo DS cartridge and plays almost exactly like the PS2 game. Shocking. Yeah. The Game Boy Advance is still so impressive. And I think doing that episode was such a fun experience. And I think that library and that era of Nintendo is like kind of hard to top, but that might be my favorite. Mm. You know, we'll see if that changes. But I think what's special about the Game Boy Advance is that there was a really delicate sweet spot between strong hardware that was very limited. So it was mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. exact like, OK, we've got to make use of everything we have. And and it's so impressive to see stuff like Fire Emblem and Advanced Wars like really sell a very simple but effective art style, like just the best pixel art still. Yeah. You know, the sprite work and all that. And then see stuff like Mother 3 kind of go in a more cartoony way, but still it's just so impressive what that system was able to do with its limitations. DS feels like that lid kind of burst and like mm. the actual hardware processing power is still surprisingly modern. I mean, I, I kind of see the DS, like we're, we're not really going to include the 3DS library, but like I kind of see both systems as, as a continuation of the same thing, not even just because of the name, but just like that sort of became the de facto modern handheld up until the switch coming out. Yeah. So I, I just think it's, it's way more like what I, I expect a game to be able to do graphically or even mechanically is like, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's That's no the visible keep- limit. So yeah. you and I talked about this a little bit in the Game Boy Advance episode, but there there were times here and there where it was like shocking when a game was like kind of in 3D on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Like, how did yeah. you even do this? And the DS like the DS kind of existed and was built from the ground up to have like uh, there, there's actually a really good video. There's a guy on YouTube who goes by Modern Vintage Gamer who's a, who's a I think he's a developer as well, but he has this great video on like the breakdown of how they got 3D stuff working on the DS. And the whole idea is at any given time, only one of the two screens can be showing 3D elements and the other screen has to be showing 2d elements and they're like limitations even in the 3d stuff that they can do but the whole idea was like we want to make it so you can play like quote-unquote console quality 3d stuff but on the go was like the idea the the reality of it like really didn't hit the mark but that having been said people got like really 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 crafty with it in really cool ways right so I, i don't know you look at something like the super mario 64 remake on ds and like that whole bottom screen is just a map and all the processing power just goes right to the top screen so you can play a nintendo 64 game that's like actually maybe even looks better than the N64 version in some in cases, some ways, yeah. which is very cool. Or you have a game like Dragon Quest V, for example, which is somehow 3D on the top and the bottom. And the answer is that they're literally turning one screen off at a time and flipping back and forth between the two screens faster than you can even tell it's happening. But that's how they're able to do that. That kind of stuff is so wild. And every once in a while, I'll play a game on here for this episode that like, I just I just don't know how they did it. Like, I just don't know how they made this work. And Okami Den was one 
one of them. I played another one the other day. Uh, Wild had no idea this even existed, but there's a game that I was playing that was called Ash Archaic Sealed Heat is the name of it. And mm. it's the first Mistwalker Studios game, which I didn't realize oh, until cool. I until I turned it on. I just saw it like on a list. I was like, oh, this seems pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the Mistwalker logo showed up. I was like, holy shit, this is going to be big for me. And I ended up not liking it that much. But uh, oh. beautiful, beautiful game, like really gorgeous and has like all of these really incredible systems. And this is a game I never would have heard about had I not done this episode. I actually am excited for you to play Ash. I think you might like it a lot, but that's I'm really excited. Another. Yeah. There's such a huge library. I mean, it's even more daunting than the Game Boy Advance and just the number of games that are here. Yeah. I think the DS is also active for much longer. Yes. But also so many of these games are like huge, which has kind of been the reason yeah. it's been so daunting is like I put I've put a lot of time into the Pokemon games so far. Oh, and also the Dragon Quest games. But there's also like the whole yeah, four, five, six and nine and nine. Right? Yeah. Um, but there's also like all the Etrian Odyssey games. There's Radiant Historia, which we've talked about a little bit. And I know you started recently. Um, there's a whole bunch of Shimagami Tensei stuff on there. Like these are all like there sure is. There's the Rune Factory games as we were just talking about. There's like a lot of like like hundred hour <laughs> RPGs on here. Final Fantasy four and three as well. Yes, yeah. which got full remakes. <laughs> um, but this is you know alongside stuff like a bunch of Kirby games and like uh, I don't know Nintendo Dogs and you know things that are you know you could just check in every once in a while. Thankfully, and speaking of things that you could just check in once in a while. You've been playing Animal Crossing Wild World, which I'm so excited to hear your take on for the first time. Yes, yeah. because this is my first time. This, was, this was my we, we don't have to go into it all over again because I've done this many, many times. But Wild World was like my introduction to Animal Crossing. Absolutely obsessed with it. Love it to death. We'll talk about it at any point, any given day. Just just ask. Uh, so when you were like, I think I'm going to talk about Animal Crossing. I was like, yes, that's going to be a whole segment, please. And thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited because I thought it would also be a really great parallel to Rune Factory 4. Because totally. like if Rune Factory 4 is sort of like the maximalist version of a life sim where like walking is a stat you level up, the dirt levels <laughs> up, saying hello is a spell. There are like 8 million things to do at any time. Wild World is the complete opposite and that mm. it's. You know, this is, I didn't realize this is the second Animal Crossing game. Yeah. So this is following the, it came out on GameCube in the US and then I believe it was N64 in Japan originally. Yeah, it was Animal, Animal Forest. Forest. Yeah. Right. I have such a vivid memory of reading Nintendo Power in middle school and seeing like promo stuff for Animal Forest because I don't think they had settled on Animal Crossing yet. And like I was so intrigued by it. So my first Animal Crossing was the GameCube one and I loved it. It was really groundbreaking for me, especially that was the first game I played that was a life sim. I remember my family watching me play and being like, what do you do? Like, what's the goal? Like, who is there a boss to fight? Yeah. How do you win? Exactly. And I'm like, "I, I just have debt. And I fish. <laughs> um, so, and, and Animal Crossing, the first one, you could visit a friend's town. I'm at Island. I'm so used to New Horizons. But yeah. uh, you could visit a friend's <laughs> town if they put their memory card in your GameCube. Yes. Just a weird, weird quick aside. My dream, and I want to summon this into existence with the power of the show. My dream for Blitzball in Final <laughs> Fantasy X was the ability to play against someone else's team with the same method. Like, bring your memory card, plug it into the PS2, let's blitz. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Anyway. It's gotta be called Let's Blitz, right? I had to tell someone that. You know what I mean? Like Final Fantasy X Let's Blitz is a game that I would play. <laughs> Blitzball should have been its own thing. Like I'm, I'm amazed there isn't like a mobile Blitzball game. I would, <laughs> I would spend way too much money on like the weird you microtransactions. Know, yeah, I would just just be a whale for 
let's blitz. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I played the first one and then I didn't play any other Animal Crossing game until New Leaf, which really, I think in retrospect, that is the first big step that led to New Horizons. You could look at all the Animal Crossing games and see an increased amount of player agency. Because in in the first one and in Wild World, you really don't have any immediate control over the town or really anything other than like hey, almost nothing your house. And even then, the first like couple months of playing, you're basically at the whim of like what tool does Tom Nook have for sale today? Mm-hmm. Like I currently have, I've been playing for a week, and I currently have the fishing pole and the net, and that's it, and the watering can. Mm. So I can fish, which is weirdly very difficult in this yeah. game. It's like much harder to do. Yes. So it's a bigger thrill when I catch something. You have a way of making money, though, thankfully. Yes. Uh, and I can sell peaches. The town um, Aether, uh, the town fruit is peaches. Mm. So like immediately it's such it's so much more of a hostile vibe than New Horizons, which I think is hilarious. Like yeah. you are you you are in a cab with Cap'n is driving you to town. It's raining. It's raining. <laughs> uh, Tom Nook immediately scams you. Like he is the most aggressive in this game than yeah. any of the other ones I played. Like he's like, okay, you're my intern. You've got to run around town. It was humiliating because I really wanted nothing more than just to get to know the villagers <laughs> in my town. My first three were um, Drake, the lazy duck. Yeah, love Drake. He says Quacko, and he's like kind of a nervous wreck, but he was my first friend. So you yeah, know, gotta give him some credit. I like Pee Wee. The cranky gorilla who calls me little dude uh, and he (laughs) makes fun of me constantly. And Tangi, uh, who Tangi was actually my first villager in the original Animal Crossing. Oh, amazing. So Tangi and I go way back. So it's kind of heartbreaking to like talk to her. her and her first line is like, ew, who are you? Um, <laughs> Tangi is a cat that has like an orange for her face and the leaf is her hair. Really yeah. peak Animal Crossing design. Yeah. So I was so pumped because <laughs> the thing about the older games is that because you don't have as much agency over like a new leaf, you're the mayor and you can add all these things and fundraise and that kind of change the town in its function. Yeah. And in New Horizons, you can terraform, you can, you can do everything. Right. So the focus of the first two games is really the character interaction. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff you can do is talk to your villagers and like, well, it's not directly tracked like in uh, Rune Factory 4, there's no like visible stat. You do get this feeling of like getting to know a character better and they ask more of you yeah. than they do in New Horizons, which like that was if I had to like, I think New Horizons is, is the best Animal Crossing game, but I do kind of miss the work I had to put into the relationship. Like everyone is a little too nice from go. Mm-hmm. I kind of like gaining Pee Wee's trust. I like, you yeah. know, gaining Tangy's trust. And it's so humiliating that the first thing I have to do is run errands for Tom Nook. And I had to post on the message board an ad for his store. I'm like, right. This is humiliating. He makes, he makes you wear the shirt for <laughs> yeah. his town. Like it's a hideous it's shirt. Awful. Yeah. So I've, I've started wild world over like many 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 times obviously <laughs> over the years yeah and I've, I've actually been playing on and off in preparation for the bonus since we announced the bonus maybe oh, even nice. before that like i've been playing for a couple of months at this point and even even on this run whenever i open up wild world now i still think about that first moment of starting the game again and needing to do all those fucking errands and plant those trees and flowers for him around the shop to make his shop look nice it's so awful like yeah it's so funny because like <laughs> 
you play you play the new stuff like you play new horizons and tom and tom nook's vibe is like definitely definitely like grifty you know but like yeah it's kind of hard to see i think through the cracks of where the grift is because you actually are getting so much out of it he's right? rewarding it's, you yeah yeah it's it's not as bad as it could be like yes he has like implemented shroot bucks into his own economy you know it's like i don't i don't take your real money uh, i only take these weird uh dollars that i've invented but also if you want to give me your real money i'll take that too i'll just like invent a currency and take your normal one but in wild world specifically it's just like that is where the tom nook vibe that everyone has been joking about on the internet for a decade comes from like that tom nook is the one that kind of set off this He's low key a villain. Oh yeah, know, of 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 like the Nintendo universe. He thanks you for running all those errands by firing you and giving you debt. He's like, right. cool. Now like you don't have to work here anymore, and you owe me nineteen thousand bells. Yes. So like the whole time I, I was running around like in the awful like unsaturated green yeah. outfit for his store, and Pee Wee was like, woof. Like you got <laughs> you've got nothing to show for yourself, and now you're Tom Nook's errand boy. It, it feels like. My fiction was that like Drake was the last one to fall into this trap. Like, he was the <laughs> new guy and he had to run errands with Tom Nook and everyone. You think everyone that shows up has to go through this gauntlet with Tom yeah, Nook? Yeah, everyone in town is like, oh, who's Tom going to get his claws on next kind yeah. of thing. But every day I play it, like there's been a new person move in. So now uh, Snake, the ninja rabbit just moved in. Yeah. And Sally, the chipmunk. But <laughs> I forgot also like. Not only are they more hostile to you, but they're hostile to each other. So I saw Drake like pissed and he was like, I can't believe Sally called me that. And he's like running around crying. Yeah, it's a very it's not a negative atmosphere. It's it has the tranquility and the calmness you want from Animal Crossing. But I think there's actually as much as I enjoy the agency given to the player in New Leaf and in New Horizons, especially there's there's still a strong appeal in a game that you just check in every day that like is kind of out of your control. Mm -hmm. Like just being able to exist and not really worry about anything else other than like, what do I want to do to make more money? How do I, what do I want to put in my store? Who do I want to talk to? Like that design is still so strong and appealing. And like, I think there's a place for both. I think New Leaf is probably the best middle ground between the two because like you have control, but you're not like totally able to change everything. And, you know, I think that there's different appeal and the different styles. But I think that like because the first game was my formative experience with Animal Crossing, Wild World is a really nice way to have that experience in the handheld format. Yeah, but I do agree with you. I think that having Animal Crossing handheld is kind of the way to do it. Like I do play New Horizons on my TV mostly, but like the check in once in a while game design just feels like perfect for the handheld experience totally yeah I, I i think animal crossing will always just look at look at the the wii one city folk you know i mean that that's one that i think people liked but people don't talk about that's like the one that didn't hit the same highs as the other ones yeah, yeah i think you know because you look at the original you look at animal forest or animal crossing on on the 64 the gamecube and like it was just kind of novel that that was the game at all. And then as soon as you yeah. take that entire game and shrink it down into a handheld format and do it on wild world, it's like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And then the next one after that is city folk on the Wii and suddenly being tethered to a television and not being able to like, you know, play it in the car or like play it. If you're like on a trip or something like throw it in a bag or like at recess during school or something, suddenly I think the game is harder to play and it's hard. It's harder to have a like constant relationship with, which is why, I was so excited for New Leaf when that first got announced because like as much as I like yeah. City Folk and I liked a lot of the stuff they were doing with it, all the best stuff in City Folk is just like crammed back into New Leaf as well. It almost does feel like 
Animal Crossing to to Wild World was like, let's just remake this in a handheld format. Yeah. And then yeah. New Leaf is kind of that again, but for city folk um, with like the mayoral duties kind of added onto it, which just kind of pluses it up past just being city folk, but on the 3DS, which is really great. And then obviously New Horizons, which is kind of a best of all worlds situation. Yeah. And to go back to Rune Factory, I'm like waiting, like, what is the New Horizons for Rune yeah, Factory? Yeah, totally. What is the moment where it kind of all comes together? Yeah. But again, I think it is really cool to be able to go back to earlier Animal Crossing games and still find the appeal, even though like, because I think one of the things that was very funny when we first started covering New Horizons was that like I was often talking to people who this is their first Animal Crossing game and explaining like what features were new. People were like, what did you do before? Like if there wasn't yeah. DIYs or any of this stuff, like what did you actually do? And we've said many times that like a lot of the mechanics in that game, terraforming and DIYs and all that are actually there to serve the minimalist experience. Like right. They're there to craft the experience you get from go in wild worlds, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. So I think it's, they kind of figured out what the core appeal was right away. It was just a matter of like, how do we deliver this? And again, there was like first 30 hours of new horizons kind of being a low key, great plateau stealth tutorial. Yeah. I think it really paid off and it trained people to who I think were, you know, I think if you don't play these games, or you don't have a history of animal crossing, you will likely have the same question my family did, where it's like, what is the point? What do you do? Yeah. What is the goal? And I think New Horizons does a great job teaching you that like there doesn't have to be one. And if there is, it's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm glad you're enjoying Wild World. Uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I would love to visit your town if you want to have me or vice versa. I don't think we can. I don't think we can. Ah! I don't think, I don't I don't think that works. I, I wish the Nintendo DS online was still available, but I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> dead and gone forever. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, that makes sense. That adds um, up. But that said, I mean, I, I, I still have a very I have, I have a fondness for that game. And it's actually the reason I haven't gone back to New Horizons really at all recently is just because, like, I've been playing Wild World a lot um, and that game still extremely holds up. And, and, and it is a very different experience. So I think, like, it's not the easiest recommendation to make to people that's like, oh, if you like new horizons you should like go back and check out the other ones like if you're playing new horizons and you're liking it and you're playing it every day like just stick with that it's really good yeah <laughs> a lot of it is definitely a nostalgia thing for me but that having been said if you if you are curious like we frequently are about where franchises come from and where they end up um like we've been doing with rune factory recently and we're doing with a lot of other stuff for the ds bonus um this is definitely one to check out in the animal crossing lineage i i would definitely forgive you for not getting super invested in the original uh, or the one on the Wii, but Wild World is one that the more time you spend with it, the more rewarding it ends up being. Yeah, it's it's much more of a slow burn than a time sink. I feel like New yeah. Leaf and, and and New Horizons are both like every second you're playing, there's something to do and, and, a, and a goal you can give yourself. And Wild World is very much built to check in like an hour or less and then you know move on yeah which i like that especially doing a a video game podcast i like having (laughs) a game especially after elden ring i think it's not a coincidence you and i are like gravitating towards these chill farming life sims (laughs) after getting our ass kicked for 90 hours by like a forgotten dd um (laughs) so yeah i I think it's it's a nice like check-in and bail game like and I, i like the 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 save screens is like you know come back whenever like there's no mm-hmm. pressure which yeah. is nice you can also start multiple characters and all live in the same house yeah. together which is very fun oh really yeah that's fun uh, uh good video game really good video that's game. A good one yeah the nintendo ds has some good games on it would recommend 
I cannot wait for that episode. I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll bring up stuff as we prepare for it. And like, that's not a guarantee that that's going to be on our list or anything. I think like the way you also just a peek behind the curtain, like the way at least I've been navigating the list is like, I'll check out something for, you know, I'll, I'll usually give something an hour. Yeah. And if it's an RPG, I'll give it five hours because I know that the first hour is going to be slow. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll do a gut check where it's like, OK, like, can I write this off? Like, I kind of get the the vibe already. Or like, usually what I'll do is out of that list of 100, I'll go through all of them and then I'll end up with a list of like 40 that I want to spend more time with. Yes. And then that eventually becomes the 10 we bring to the show. Yeah. The, the thing about this list, I, I don't I don't remember having this feeling as much with the Game Boy Advance one, but the DS one, like I... I open up this list and I'm like, all right, what's the next one I'm going to do? And it's like really daunting because there's so much stuff I want to put so much time into. And there's so much stuff that I'm like really excited to play. Not that I wasn't excited about the the Game Boy Advance stuff, but something about the DS library. There's like so much to dig into that I like really like there. There are games on this list that I like extremely do actually want to play all the way through. Like I'm playing um, Kingdom Hearts uh, 358 over two days right now. Another one that I can't believe runs and is what it is on the, <laughs> on the Nintendo DS. But like as soon as I started that game like a week or two ago, I just had this this like flooding feeling of like, oh, my God, this is just a whole Kingdom Hearts game I've never played. And I don't know anything about and I can't wait to experience this. Um, yeah. That's how I'm feeling about Okami Den as well is like everyone, everyone I'm still actually this is funny because I was just on the eShop today uh, just looking to see if Rune Factory was in the rankings so I could bring that up earlier. But Okami is also in the rankings for digital only games on the Switch. Like Okami is still a game that people fucking love and yeah. like want more of. And that that studio doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. So there like really can never be another one. But there was another one. And it's available on the DS. And that is so wild to have loved that game for so long and be like, I can't believe there's a sequel right under my nose the whole time. Um, So I don't know. I just am frequently having that feeling whenever I turn on my DS and I'm like looking through the stuff that I want to play is like, I want to give all of this 100 hours. And I know I can't do that. Like all the Dragon (laughs) Quest games, for example, how much I would love to come to that episode and be like, yeah, I I did it. I played all of them. I finished every single one of them. Like that's there's no way that's going to happen. I've played about. 25 to 30 hours of three of them so far is where I'm at. And I I think with Dragon Quest, like you, like, I think once you have gone that far into it, you can kind of know what the vibe is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, as much as a lot of them like get exponentially more interesting, I think 11 take is a little bit of a slow burn in terms of the plot picking up. Yeah. But like, you're going to, you're not going to feel wildly different, you know, at 40 hours as opposed to 20 about a Dragon Quest game. Yeah. But a game like Radiant Historia, for example, is one that I... Yeah, that's the one I will want to see through for sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty far into it. Uh, well, not pretty far, but like I've I played a lot of it so far. And uh, it's it's something special. And it's also very the, cheap on the 3DS right now, worth mentioning. I, I find that I often talk to people about like the philosophy behind finishing games and whether or not you need to finish something to move on to something else. Yeah. And that's also a different conversation with like doing these system episodes where we're like, <laughs> we had to play a lot of stuff in like not a huge amount of time. <laughs> so I think that like, it makes sense that we're not like 100%ing everything. Yeah. But I, I, I tend to follow the same rule with these episodes as I do with games in general, where like, it really depends on the game. There are games that I think 
you should see through to the end to get the full experience. Usually they're, you know, more narrative focused. Mm-hmm. Then there are games where, again, it's like Dragon Quest eight is going to be there for you forever. You don't yeah. have to like binge it in a weekend. And, you know, there's other stuff where like there isn't a concrete end. It's a game that you kind of like Wild World is built to visit, you know, every so often. Yeah. Um. So I think that like the idea of having to finish everything, I kind of reject. But I also think that every once in a while there's a game where it's like, yeah, you want to see the end. You want to roll credits. Um, and you know, it's, it's case by case with the DS stuff. Yeah. For example, like, uh, the upcoming 13 Sentinels re-release on the switch, like that is a game that almost lives and dies by, did you finish it or not to me? Yeah. <laughs> it would take a very not curious person <laughs> to start 13 Sentinels and be like, I'm actually okay. I have no more questions. Yeah. After like eight hours. Yeah. I don't have if, any lingering curiosity. Yeah. If you get past that first initial hurdle in that game of like, do I like it or not? at all you know yeah and you decide on yes you will finish it is how it works yeah and i am very excited for that game to come out on switch so i can play through the whole thing again the thing that i was thinking about recently too just not not to go down this 13 sentinels rabbit hole but i've just been thinking about it a lot recently um of course. I'm, I'm really excited to finish that game and unlock all the extra battles because i do think in handheld mode i will want to do more battles which is interesting. oh yeah that makes sense that game feels like a vita game like in every way possible totally. yeah you know so it makes sense yeah speaking of bummer handhelds uh the vita there's no vita and the sony backlog no what the hell what the heck why would they not especially considering weirdly the ps4 and the vita had a lot of cross compatibility like there were a lot of games that were built for both systems that were released on both simultaneously and if you bought one you would get it on the other immediately which was really cool that's how i got final fantasy 10 for the first time was i bought it on ps4 and it was like oh you also have it on vita it's like oh i'm definitely gonna play it on my vita then i think i have that for gravity rush remastered and odin sphere which i still haven't played which is another vanillaware game yeah totally that's Um, that's lingering in the background for a one day episode yeah there are so many games like that anyway Wow, I'm like actually energized to hang up on this call and immediately go play some Nintendo TS stuff while I eat lunch. Uh, so maybe we should wrap up. Spring is here. Yeah, let's Dude, do I'm it. Gonna, you know what? I'm going to play Golden Sun Dark Dawn today. That's what I'm going to do. I'm looking at this list and I'm going to play Golden Sun 3 and see how it goes. I think I've seen some jokes in the Discord, but like I feel so strongly you and I are going to say that that is the best Golden Sun game. I just feel like I feel like that's our bad take for the universe eventually. Yeah. <laughs> is that that's the one to play? I, I so feel that too. It feels so much like a Chrono Cross situation. Yeah. <laughs> or a uh, Final Fantasy Tactics A2 grimoire of the rift yeah i think that's a good take yeah um anyway. i'm not gonna pick kingdom hearts recoded over 358 over two though i'll say that much recoded is with data sora oh yeah that is the data sora one yeah that that one i <laughs> i have a lot of friends who are like hardcore kingdom hearts fans they like love and know everything so i love to see where they draw the line i'm like that's a really helpful metric it's like when <laughs> when does the kingdom hearts fan be like this is actually kind of bullshit yeah uh, so far i've seen the line drawn at the guitar hero game uh the like mobile gotcha game that's somehow canon and uh recoded where i've been told by multiple friends just watch the final cutscene, and that's like literally all you need to know <laughs> to go into kingdom hearts 3 with yeah kingdom hearts 2 i think wasn't that wasn't that the oh no chain of memories was the one that led into chain of hearts memories 2. was yeah chain of memories was so chain of memories is interesting because there's a ps2 remake of the game boy advance one which like i've heard better things about i i did not like the game boy advance one sadly i really wanted to yeah but i just the card system was very strange i had a really hard time with it yeah yeah that's why i'm that's why i'm so shocked and enjoying 358 over 2 so much because i've heard good things about that one. it just is kingdom hearts but on the ds 
somehow. And that's all about Roxas, which I think is one of the more interesting stories. I love stories. Roxas. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big Roxas yeah. fan over here. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you're like really stoked to play? Like, is there anything that you're like super energized to go check out soon? In terms of the DS or just like yeah. what's coming out or In, both? I don't know. Give me both. I, I was asking about the DS, but if you have something else that popped into your head, I'd love to hear about it. DS, I'm really excited to play Dragon Quest 4 because that's like, it's the one that I haven't, one of the few I haven't played yet. And I have it on mobile, but I've been waiting to play the DS one because I hear the localization is different. I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The structure for is like kind of like Octopath Traveler, but like they actually interact. So there are like multiple points of view that eventually all come together, which I always love. Also yeah. very 13 Sentinels. So I'm excited for Dragon Quest 4. I'm excited to play more Radiant Historia. Like I'm very, very early on. So I really want to see what that game is all about. It's good, man. And I'm also really excited to play the Advanced Wars stuff. I have a feeling that because of my preference for Advanced Wars 1 over 2, that I'll still prefer the like more cartoony, lighthearted take on the game. Yeah. But I've heard from like tactics fans that Dual Strike is especially good just like yeah. as a game. So I'm excited to see what those are like and make up my own mind about it. So that the answer is like everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, but really excited to I, I do want to replay 13 Sentinels as well on Switch to kind of like see if I notice more things going through it again. Like it's been long enough that I've forgotten a lot. Like there, there are some things that are definitely like burned into my memory, but other things like I've I've sort of forgotten the the looser details of. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if that will be even more of a like a impressive experience to like actually know what the hell is happening for the first half of it. <laughs> I'll say this. I have yeah. talked to somebody who is replaying it at the moment and has said exactly that uh, was like, it is very cool to see how much they set up so early that kind of totally goes over your head when you don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, but replaying right. is a cool experience. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also excited to play through Undertale again for the bonus uh, this month. Yeah. I just started it. I, I streamed like the first area of that game i know that game so well that i'm like a part of me is a little nervous that like going through it again will feel a little bit like going through the motions but i think it will still be a great experience Mm -hmm. i'm really excited to hear you talk about it yeah it's gonna be so yeah cool i guess we'll wrap up hey Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Uh, we said this last week, but it continues to be true. Uh, <laughs> every week, this is like the uh, Sam and Lord of the Rings saying, this is it. It's the farthest I've ever been from the Shire. <laughs> Uh, last month was really big for us. It was our biggest month so far. We just released the Elden Ring bonus, which I think we're both really proud of. And it feels like you tweeted this and I just want to echo the sentiment. It's so cool. And I'm so thankful to be able to do a show about games when something like that comes out, like to really be part of like, it's, it's a lot of fun to review things like looking back on the DS library, looking back on Chrono Trigger. Like I, there's a lot of power and a lot of magic in that as well but there's also a lot of joy in being part of the moment when it happens yeah you know like and and Elden Ring is is one of those rare experiences where like something really is this like tidal wave of of hype and enjoyment I'm I'm, it's very nice that we have not backed ourselves into any kind of corner with this show where it's like yeah we'll talk about Rune Factory 4 and Animal Crossing Wild World and Nintendo DS in one episode but also we'll talk about all the new releases you know (laughs) if if they're interesting I feel like last week was like literally here's everything new that came out and then this week is like here's some really old shit here's some like decade plus old stuff on handheld here's a junior prom sucker punch for you (laughs) Uh, uh (laughs) but um yeah so i just i just wanted to be i just wanted to share my my gratitude for all of that um 
into the it's castle amazing online. people stick around for <laughs> when we oscillate between those two so so hardcore it's great thank yeah. you I mean, I, th- I, I was go as far to say as I think that it's a <laughs> well-rounded experience to have both sides to us. Um, <laughs> anyway, Into the Castle Online is our hub for everything. Links to Twitch and YouTube and also anywhere you can listen to the show. Reviewing on Apple Podcasts helps us out a lot, as well as Spotify or anywhere you listen to the show. And a special thanks to our patrons. Uh, we really, really appreciate your support. It helps the show grow. It helps us pay AJ. Uh, it, it just helps us in every possible way. If backing the show at all puts you in any financial strain, please do not. You can pull your support anytime. And if you choose to back the show again later, you'll regain access to the entire Patreon backlog. The overly hyped patron <laughs> bonus that I've been working on is on its way. Uh, you'll be rewarded for your patience. I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm very happy with uh, how it felt to record. And all I'll say is that there are other people that have helped make that episode special. So I'm excited to share all of that work collectively once it's ready to be shared. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's fun. And I think um, we'll continue to experiment within that space as well for for Patreon content. Yeah, um, we'll have some announcements in a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks. We'll, we'll keep you posted on yeah. that space. Yeah, I'm excited about the Patreon stuff. Uh, it'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. All right. I think. Cool. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, I want a game. Yeah. I I'm tired go play of talking. Golden Sun Dark Dawn. No. Is that <laughs> is that is that the is that the name of it? I think it, it is. is. Yeah, that is the name of it. I thought that might have been Advance Wars. Anyway, uh, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful dark dawn. Have a wonderful dark dawn. Ultra goodbye. Canvas curse. <laughs> Squeak squad. Grimoire. If our biz is naming subtitles. Squeak squad. <laughs> bye bye. Recoded. Is it just me or am I engulfed in flames? <laughs> <laughs>